Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. You can also find us at our website, adoptionthemakingofme.com. And please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hello, Louise. Here we are for another discussion about A.M. Holmes, the mistress's daughter. Hi, Sarah. Hey. (laughs) Gotten a little, we come in and it is seven years after Ellen died. Mm hmm. I believe seven years. It's called book two, right? So it's now like we're we're in the park. Post. Yeah. Yeah. And it took her seven years to be able to open the boxes of Ellen, her birth mother. She put them in storage. I like the way she kind of described all that. Me too. I like that. Read that part about the storage. Do we have that somewhere? I don't, I don't, it kind of jumps around. I'll get to it. Some of the things I highlighted, you know, she's feeling a lot of guilt about Mm -hmm. having not been there for her. Cause at one point she calls the doctor in Atlantic city and he's like, you know, she could have been saved. She, I don't know why yeah. she walked out of the hospital that day. She needed a kidney. She could have been saved. And so then AM is filled with a yeah. lot of guilt. Like, and asking she, if she could have donated a kidney and what yeah, is the irony of like the baby that, you know, died before her when her parents mm-hmm. adopted her had kidney issues. So, oh yeah, that was really interesting too. She, it wasn't lost on her that it was about a kidney. I mean, uh-huh. It is a little bit like serendipitous on that. Right before that part, she said that she didn't ask for help. Maybe I like this line. I don't know if it struck you. I'm sure it did. Actually, she says that Ellen maybe didn't ask because she was afraid and she probably never gotten good results with asking for help uh-huh. probably in part because she didn't know how. So instead of getting what she wanted, she continually got what she didn't and she pushed people away. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good writing. I mean, about Ellen, but just kind of about when you're lost as a person, you don't know how to ask for help. And yeah. So you end up being like, I know at my most vulnerable times, I'm probably the worst times that someone wants to help you. Cause you're like, uh, you know, it's so picture this poor woman who's got nobody going through life and probably the way she asked AM because AM said she had, what was that kind of disgust or something about like, if she had asked me in a nicer in the, way, in the, right, in the way, right way, like would I have helped her if she'd asked me in the right way? You know, it's just yeah. shows how complicated you know, it all is and her, the complications of your birth family, you know, just again, feeling sort of not belonging and who is this person to me yet? She gave birth to me and yeah. Guilt and um, vulnerability, a lot of guilt. Yeah. So then she finally gets to, there's just such a lot of good lines. She says, did I ever say how precariously positioned I feel on the edge of the earth as though my permit could be revoked at any second? That was really good, actually. I circled that twice because I felt a lot of my life that way, that even though you're going along and like, if someone saw you from the outside, they think, oh, she's doing fine. That's a fine person, whatever you're together. I've often felt that way, that imposter syndrome or oh yes, if someone could just come and take it all away instantly. I'm always kind of waiting for that shoe to drop even into my adulthood. I actually have that exact line and a personal essay that I'm writing. I said, you know, we're always waiting for another shoe to drop. Again, as always, she's 
full of humor and yes. really makes me <laughs> laugh. But she's talking about the boxes, you know, and as soon as oh, yeah. she she put them in storage and she says, I banished the boxes to the Netherland of mini storage. Before they go, I marked them carefully in Sharpie marker on all sides. Dead Ellen, one to four. She put me up for adoption. I'm sending her to mini storage. Yeah. She will join my tax records, my vinyl record collection, my dot matrix printer, <laughs> my old typewriter becoming a piece of my life. I'm unwilling to entirely unload, but that is best kept off site. Yeah. Best kept off site. I have a folder. So before I saw my bio family recently, I hadn't looked at it in probably 10 years either because there's something about that kind of scares me. Which is silly. You look through it and then you think, why didn't I look at this sooner? Look at these pictures and these letters. But I know it's there and I kind of keep it not that in the great place and it's kind of sitting there. You know, I actually thought about this. Like I need to get organized, put things in a good place, look at them often because I do the same thing. Is this all adoptees? I'd love to actually ask more adoptees if they do this kind of. Yeah. Good question. (laughs) Well, then she finally. It takes seven years. And she says, you know, in the spring of 2005, I promised myself to once and for all deal with dead Ellen. And she brings Mm -hmm. the boxes and she goes by herself without her family to her house in Long Island. And just goes through everything. And goes through everything. And it's pretty intense what she discovers. It's sad too, because there's things in there that make her seem childlike again. How we talked about the child. She's very young mentally, but then also like we were talking about earlier, you and I, all sorts of personal things about debt and houses that she was, I mean, bad well, and she was business decisions, bad business decisions. And then I think she had some criminal activity, like, yeah, purposeful fraud, sort of fraud stuff and served. Did she go to jail or was it her partner? I think her partner went to jail, but maybe she was going to and skirted it. I, I'm forgetting. But, but before that, there were all these photos from Ellen's early childhood taken from a studio in D.C. that had also taken presidential portraits. So mm-hmm. it, it was clearly, you know, she came from a, you know, a, a family of some means. And then, you know, it kind of goes through, you see it sort of chronologically as she gets older and older and then her father not being there anymore and the changes that had on her. And mm-hmm. you just... It's like watching someone's progression of the damage in boxes. You're opening it up and just seeing the damage a life can cause, a lifetime of damage in these boxes. It was really sobering. Yeah, that's a good word. Sobering. And also, she also brought in the humor about the portraits because she had wanted her to do a portrait with her members. She said, let's get our portrait, which is an outdated thing to do. Yeah. But that's, she did come from that family from some money where people did, you know, my adoptive family has a lot of portraits and they would sit for paintings and, and she thought that would be something they would do because deep down, she's still that girl who's kind of disowned by her family. Mm -hmm. It's so traumatic. Makes me sad for Ellen. I can picture her in my mind, like a complete character who she is. (laughs) I mean, well, here I am even says the boxes, which is what I just said in a different Mm -hmm. way. The boxes are like a paper trail version of this is your life. Yeah. There was also a lot of like funny things about football and things like that with the Redskins, because also her father, her biological father had played football and she was like really into the whole Redskins and like, you know, there was just, yeah, it was something, what what would people find out about me in boxes? (laughs) Well, it, it sure it sure was sobering enough to make me 
think, Sarah, like you, you got to do a big scrub of your life. <laughs> Me too. My life in my house and my closet. End up that way. <laughs> oh, God. I don't either. There was also a line that, and this is a little bit going back, but I thought it might have hit you too about something when her mom said, just because it, I wanted to just say this line, because I wrote living two lives at once. It said, oh, how she was being told that her mother, remember her mother told her that Ellen died. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I just like this writing. My mother is dead. My mother called to tell me my mother is dead. Yes. And that's like, yeah, I like that. This is the dissonance, the split, the impossibility of living two lives at once. Yes. I don't know why that I, quote. I like that too. Didn't that just seem like a quote for, I wanted everyone to hear it in case they're not reading along or they're just, you know, listening to the podcast without reading the book. She's such a rich writer. She really is. She's such a great writer. And then, you know, at the end, she gives her mother the Jewish funeral she always wanted. Yeah, that part was nice, actually, where you say the names mm-hmm. on on the Day of Atonement in, in the fall, Yom Kippur. You say everyone's name, so it's like you put the name in, and the whole congregation says that name and praises that name. So it's like, I like how she I said, not, yeah. it's like even with everybody else, right? Like her name wasn't more important or less important than everybody else's name that was said. It was just said, and I like that. So, you know, she gives... Ellen, the Jewish funeral she wanted. There's a part of the Yom Kippur service called the Yixor, Yizkor, during which they read the names, as you said. So then, it, you know, she says her name is called out. It is heard equal to the others. It is not alone. I see other people crying and feel that I have done something. I have given her the one thing she wanted to be recognized, to be noticed. This is her mm. Jewish funeral. And then, you know, with the boxes, she ends up finding that she had been giving money to the Jewish. Oh yeah. Giving home. She didn't have money and she was giving away, like doing nice things. I mean, I think she came in and out of, you know, she would do these yeah. strange sort of questionable <laughs> money transactions, <making> schemes, <laughs> transactions, <laughs> and which actually get a lot of money. And then, you know, which actually uh, gave me the notion that she's a lot smarter than I took her for, because you actually have to be pretty bright to do some of that stuff. And I always had her a little bit more young, flighty in my head. I'm like, oh, she was actually pretty savvy. I think she was just her damage showed in the, you know, who knows how she portrayed herself to the rest of the world, you know, but to her daughter that she gave away, the damage was evident and prevalent. Don't we, don't we all portray ourselves like emotionally to those we're close to when we have problems so different than the world sees, right? Yes. Nobody knows. What another. Well, yeah. I just love her writing so much. And we are, we're not far from the end. So I'm going to be sad when this one, when we're done with this one. Me too. And we've been getting a lot of good memoirs coming in and we have Mm -hmm. ours picked out, but we have so many more to read. I'm just like, we do. I know. It's neat to hear from other adoptees and, you know, just the writing, see how they feel because it reflects on like, it's not my story, but I love reading it because I sit there, don't you, after each one and just kind of go, oh, I sit with it. It's like I take a moment and sit with it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like reading another kind of book or anything. It's just interesting. Yeah. Well, well, we have, we have another guest coming up. So, yeah, get to hear, yeah. hear his got, story. He's got, got a good reunion. One. Yep. Yes, good reunion story. So okay. Stay tuned, you, peeps. See you soon. See you soon.
Hey there. We wanted to give a big thank you to all of our Patreons. We appreciate you so much. Every day we get a message from someone thanking us for giving a platform to adoptees, and we love for every voice to be heard. If you want to help make that happen so we can come to you weekly, any amount helps. Nothing is too small, truly. We are grateful to each and every one of you. Okay, back to the podcast. Thanks. So good morning. We're here with another wonderful guest today on our podcast. And we met our guest originally through Instagram, had some back and forth messages, and he's been coming out of the fog with us on our podcast. So John Stoutzenberger, welcome. Hey, everybody. Okay. Thanks for being here, John. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're really happy to have you. And so we kind of just dig right in. What's your story and why are you here? Right. My story. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, way back it starts. No, I always knew I was adopted. And what I do for a living, people, when they find out you're adopted, they come to you for advice. And, you know, so one point, probably in my 40s, I went back to my, you know, went to my adoptive parents and I was like, so how did you tell me? And they were like, well, we don't remember. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a lot of help. But it was one of those things that part of the narrative I just always knew. Didn't give a lot of thought to it as a little kid. And then as a teenager, there were some events and things going on in life. And I knew this. So I knew I was local. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I knew I was born in downtown Baptist Hospital. And my mom had had seen a couple of papers, uh, private adoption. So uh, local domestic private adoption. And sort of had a name to go on, on my birth mother. And she thought she had seen some information about what area of town she lived in. And so I sort of knew that. And so I grew up on the same side of town as to where this information was. And so as a teenager, I didn't give a lot of thought about, you know, you know, the old Dr. Seuss, are you my mommy? I didn't think a lot about that, but I did wonder, because I was an only kid. Did I have siblings? And so it was one of those as a teenager in high school, you know, you sort of looked around and you're like, hmm, you know, so I did wonder that, but didn't give a whole lot more thought to it. Not to interrupt, but how did your parents come to adopt you? Oh, man. Okay. So they had a next door neighbor that was a lawyer. And for some reason, I just heard this part just within the last few months, actually. I didn't know the details of this. My Dad had had some problem with the car he bought and he, I guess, you know, before there were lemon laws and stuff. And so he went to this next door neighbor's office to, you know, get some advice on what to do about this car that he had purchased and some problems. And after they settled, you know, and talked all that, they're sitting there in his office and this lawyer goes, hey, by the way, you know, anybody wanting to adopt? Yeah. My parents have been married. That's uh, the baby uh, business. (laughs) And there you have it. Right. So my parents have been married about eight years and could not have children. And they looked at each other going, yeah, us. So So did he have a particular baby or was he just part of the business of adoption? No, it was me. Okay. So my mom, my biological mom, from what I have since heard, had six weeks to go before the due date, before I was born. And so he, from what I have learned now, after the fact, he was representing her family. And then there was a lawyer that was representing my dad's family. So I don't know if he was part of the industry or not. I don't know. Her parents went to an attorney to Mm -hmm. help the situation at their home. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's just, that's just bizarre to me. I'm sorry, but like car sales to. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The sales it's sales. What can you say? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, yes, I can't argue. You're exactly right. It's as I heard that part of the story, like I said, within the the last few months, yeah, you still have these light bulb moments of going, wait, what? Really? So that's been interesting. So like most adoptees, you know, you have that really big moment when you're expecting your first child. And so that was, so. you know, I'd had those moments of thinking about them, but then there we are, we're pregnant with our, we, I, okay, my wife is pregnant. I can't take any credit, right? And we go to that first OBGYN appointment and they hand you the old, you know, medical history thing. And you're sitting there going and NA, not applicable, adopted. And that really got, that was that first big moment of like, whoa. So this is fall of 1998, somewhere in 1998. And, you know, internet's young at the time. And so you go and you, there are forums, you remember the old forums and stuff. And there are a few registries And so I started looking into them. I put what information I had. I knew where I was born or, you know, we think we know where we were born and when I was born and and all that. And I put that out there and I knew I didn't have the finances to try the legal aspect. So by the way, I'm I'm from Texas and the Texas adoption laws, as far as the sealed original birth certificates are sealed. it's, It's a tough one. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to fight that journey. So I just sort of gave up. So with that, fast forward to 2019, 2020, you know, as Ancestry and 23andMe and things like that are growing, you start seeing more of these adoption reunion stories and, you know, on USA Today or whatever the case may be. And I started reading some of these and I started thinking, hmm, yeah, okay, maybe. Now, please realize I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? I'm not. Please trust me. Because I always feel like I sound a little crazy. And I didn't, I was like, DNA, mm, you know, once you put that out there, who knows how that will be used against you in the future? Insurance, pre-existing conditions, whatever the case, I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing that. Then I read this one adoption reunion story and this lady about my age had through this reconnected, found her birth mom and dad. And through that, they were either divorced. I think one was a widow. And they reconnected and got married. And you read in this story going, well, maybe it's more than just about me. I'd like to know medical history, but you know, maybe this is something that who knows where they are in life. How can I help them? <sighs> so, you start to have a deeper cause with it. Yes, definitely. It, you know, beyond just you and what you need, you're looking at a bigger picture, or at least I was. And so I thought, okay, fine. For me, it's always a practice what you preach. And so my faith is very important to me. And there is a Bible verse in First Timothy, and it talks about God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. All right. So, all right, Lord, fine. Practice what you preach. I won't be afraid. <laughs> all right, let's do this DNA thing. So, you know, with the, I researched them all, you know, what's the best one for what I'm trying to accomplish. And I landed on Ancestry just because it had the larger database. And so, you know how they run those Discount. Special. Yeah, the special. special. Yes. And it was, this was May of 2021. So this last year. And the Mother's Day special comes up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And, you know, you got that button, you know, you're ready to click. I couldn't do it. I freaked out. I just, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I'm not sure all of what I was afraid of, you know, what I wouldn't find or what I would find. So I didn't order it. And I'm like, oh, 
And so I started to regret it. Well, again, they run the specials, you know, Father's Day is coming up. So that's that next special. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And you're a father now with how many kids do you have? I have three sons. Oh, three sons. Yes. 22, 21 and 19. So this affects them as well. Very much so. Very much so. So I ordered the thing, the Father's Day special, it comes in and I just stare at that little box. (laughs) It sat on the counter in the kitchen right over here for two weeks and I just couldn't do it. I just, again, freaking out a little bit. And so my wife, she's like, John, you know, so I was, I was teaching school at the time. So I had the summer off and, you know, she goes, if you don't do it now, you're going to run out of summer. Well, like usual, she's right. So you take that package, you, you open it up. I'm a, you know, instruction reader. I'm, I'm that guy and I'm reading through all that stuff. And then you finally get to, okay, I guess I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if, if anybody out there that's listening or watching this, you know, it's that it's a vial about yay big. It's about yay big around. And the minute you open it up, my mouth goes, yeah, you can't. <laughs> dries up. Oh my word. That was the toughest 20 minutes to fill up that little thing. But I did it. You have a lot more invested than some people, I think. That's why. Is that why? Uh, Uh, Because you're not supposed to drink water because it like dilutes the sample or something. So, oh, that was that was a rough 20 minutes filling that thing up. But I did it, (laughs) put it in the mailbox, and I'm like, all right, now great ignorance here, a lot of ignorance. If ignorance is bliss, I'm very blissful. So August the 4th. So that was in June. August the 4th, (laughs) I get an email, you know, and you grab your phone, you're looking at it and go, oh, my results are in. Now, I'm a history geek. I love history. I love Texas history. So my last name, as you guys know, we'll, we'll see here in the podcast, is 14 letters long. So this big, long German name. And so I've always sort of grabbed onto that, that German identity that is a huge part of this South Central <laughs> Texas area. And so I'm like, okay, what percentage am I? Does the DNA match the long last name? And so, all right, so that's what I'm expecting. As far as finding you know, relatives... I thought, you know, you had to hire, you know, a search angel or a company or something. You're all I, about the DNA at this point. I am. I'm all about yeah. the DNA. I, I didn't know the other parts of it. It's very ignorant. So I go to the computer. I didn't want to look at it on my phone and I wanted it bigger. And so I geek out on charts and, and graphs and, you know, and things like that and percentages. I love that stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. And so now, by the way, like many of you that have done Ancestry, the percentages that you are changes as the database grows. It's changed. But the initial one was 43% German. And I'm like, yes, the DNA matches the last name. <laughs> I, was, I was excited about that. What's um, the other? <laughs> so the other most predominant was French. Oh, French. Yeah. So, I, you know, apparently World War II, I'm conflicted. <laughs> and the French will come into play. So... I click that and there's, as many of you probably know, there's a thing, matches. And I'm like, matches? What in the world are matches? And so you click that button, it drops down and it ranks them from closest. It, and I have one that's ranked close relative. All right. You know, so I click on that and it gave, as many of you know, it gives a percentage of what relation you may be. This one said 100%. Yeah. My aunt, my half sibling, my niece, my grandchild, or my grandparents. I didn't know what to do with that. I, I'm now freaking out. I'm crying. I, I cry so easily nowadays. And my wife now, I've called her into the room. She's staring over my shoulder at the screen. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Now, the other thing I've learned in this adoption journey is that we are pretty good internet. I want to say researchers instead of stalkers, but we're- Stalkers. We're, yeah, okay, we talk about that often. All right, good, good. 
And so, Sarah and I prefer the word stalker. <laughs> oh, good. Because that's the word I usually use. And people look like, oh, wait, should I be concerned? I'm like, yeah, you probably should. But anyway, so I looked this, you know, this lady's name and it was not a really unusual name, but I didn't think there'd be a lot of them. And sure enough, there were a lot of them. And I start researching and I think I find who it is. All right. Who is this person? Now, at this point, I really don't know, you know, much about my story. And so I don't know if this person knows I exist. Spent two hours trying to craft, and the only way to, to reach them is through ancestry. Mm-hmm. And I spent two hours trying to craft a brief, kind, and gracious. I didn't want to rock their world, but I had to sort of push the conversation forward a little bit. So after about two hours, I think I have it right. I've edited it a few times and I hit send. Now, don't know if this person is even online right now. So I had some other things I had to do, and I was I was sitting there in the room and I was trying to get stuff done, but I was really, really distracted. And all of a sudden in 20 minutes, you know, ding, computer. Okay. So I opened up this message. She responded. And the response was, first cousins, who are your parents? I'm like, oh no, she doesn't know. Yeah. I've been through this and then I got ghosted. So go on. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you, you understand. So, mm, so all right. Crazy. So now I got to do a, a second message that still trying to be kind and gracious and, you know, push the conversation a little bit further forward. So I, I spent another, I don't know, probably an hour trying to, what was the second message? So I hit send and now I know she's online. So I'm like, all right, we'll see how long it takes her to respond. And first time was 20 minutes. I know she's online. It's now been 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh no, I rocked her world. Rats. Okay. So after 30 minutes, ding, there it is. Now I'm going to look down because I always read this part. So I'm going to read the response I got from her. I'll try not to cry. I sometimes do. Oh, John, what a blessing your message is. You were the sole reason I put my DNA in ancestry in hopes of meeting you one day. You are my brother's son. She lists his name. Unfortunately, he has passed away. I am one of seven siblings and all six of us would love to meet you. We all live in the San Antonio area. You have one half sister and one half brother. She then lists the aunts and uncles. And then she goes, I will let everyone know about you. We have all been waiting for this day. We would love to meet you. I'm sorry for the delayed response. I had to call my sister and cry. God is good. And we are feeling very blessed. Love, Aunt Denise. That's beautiful. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It's beautiful. And so, that, so this it, is your this is your biological father's side. Yes, this is the paternal side. And so there are three aunts, three uncles, and a sister and a brother, half sister and brother. I, I don't like those terms, but uh yeah. so I have a sister and a brother. So that was August the fourth. That's my son's birthday. So that's a lucky oh, day. It's a, well, I <laughs> it's a wonderful day. It is one that it will always be burned into my memory. So he knew that you were adopted out. He was part of so, that. Yes. The whole yes. Yeah. So my my father, you mean? Yes. Yes. So my father knew I existed. So from what I hear, now being in reunion for nine months, is that they had dated in high school. The storyline that I would sort of given growing up was that they were like fifteen and sixteen, and so with that, you know, have you guys built that story in your head of what 
was happening in that yes. moment and all that. And, and so I built an erroneous storyline. They were actually 19 and 18. She was a year older. They had dated through high school. So she had been out for a year. He had just graduated. And I think they were progressing forward than me. And what I've been told from both sides is that things were going all right, as all right as in, you know, unexpected out of wedlock, you know, pregnancy in 1968. But then the grandfathers got involved. Uh. And when that happened, things went poorly at that point. I don't know all the details of that. That's just, you know, little tidbits I'm I'm picking up here. And and that's probably how the lawyer came in for her family. Like she was kind of I mean, you might know and tell us, but was she told to then give you up for adoption or? I don't know those details yet. I'm not sure. What I do know is that she was, I say, I know. So real quick, I'm in reunion with the paternal side. Well, hold that thought. So we meet 10 <laughs> days later. Now, by the way, that was like being a 10 year old on Christmas Eve for 10 consecutive <laughs> days. The adrenaline was just crazy, but we all meet the aunts, the uncles, my brother and my sister glorious night. It was a blast. They're amazing. And while I'm sitting there around a a large table at one of my aunt's houses, oh, by the way, they're all local. We have probably passed each other dozens of times in our life. I was going to ask that. I'm sure you've all intersected in schools. and Mm -hmm. My sister lives just down the road. And there was, so the first church that my wife and I were on staff at after college was over Southeast Bear County. And there was this favorite restaurant that we always like to eat out after church and hang out at. I have since found that was my uncle's restaurant. So I probably, you know, paid my ticket to him. He probably, you know, my cousin probably brought the food to me. I mean, small world moments. Small uh, world. All over. So San Antonio is the biggest small town you'll ever live in. And so a ton of small world moments. But anyway, we're sitting there that very first night we met. And one of my aunts, she goes, well, do you know who your mom is? Well, I had found online the graduating classes of the high school that they went to. I knew that she had graduated the year before. So I found his graduating class, found his name on the roster, everything. His name's Tommy. And then I found her roster the year before, or I found her class. And I was searching based upon what my mom had said she thought, that name that she saw. And then in one of the text messages, one of my aunts between meeting, she had mentioned a name. And so that really narrowed down my focus. So we're, we're in that. And she goes, do you know? And I said, I don't, but I think I know. She goes, well, who do you think it is? And I gave the name and she goes, that's who it is. Would you like to meet him or, you know, contact at that point? I'm like, Hey, tonight's about us. You know? Yes, I do. But let's, well, she just started texting. Oh Um, my gosh. So they're (laughs) in touch. Well, so the high school that they graduated from, they all still hang out together, even though they're in their very, you know, their early seventies, Yeah, they all still hang out together pretty much nonstop. In fact, their high school crowd, the small world moments, I know a lot of them. I've worked, you know, been in the same place of employment with some of them. I mean, small world moments. So she started now, I know this after the fact, she started, so she started texting your mom. She texted another high school friend that still. Oh. He's in touch with my mom. So there's a, t- okay. a texting telephone game going on. And so while sitting there, eventually it you know, gets back to me, word has gotten to her and word's now gotten back to me that she doesn't want to meet. Mm. So just while you're sitting there at dinner. Yes. Meeting them for the first time <laughs> with a 
That's a I lot. Mean, full of people. I always, always joke for my poor wife. She went from being married to an only kid from a very small family in a matter of three hours to a guy with two siblings from a really large, tight family. So it's it was quite the journey. But yes, that all happened within that evening. Um, and really quick, were you alone or did your wife come in your boys? No, my sons were not with me that first night, but my wife, thank goodness, was with me. Okay, uh, She's been amazing in all of this. So that must have been... A bit of a blow to hear yeah. she didn't want to meet you and you're having to process that information with these people you just met. <laughs> That's a lot. In the- <laughs> it was, but I sort of compartmentalized and put that to the side because I was processing all of this other. In front uh, of you. Yeah. And so my father, Tommy had passed away when I was 15. So I never got. How, a- how did he pass away? I was going to ask that. So it's, I think it's you, Louise, that Mm -hmm. your mom passed away, right? In an accident? Yes. Okay. Okay. And so it was in a construction accident Mm. with a dump truck. And yeah, I did some old newspaper searches and found an article. Uh, And yeah, it was And my, my brother and my sister were little at the time. I've talked to my brother about it just a little bit and and shared that he shared a little of, of that day with me when we were at lunch not too long ago. So I never got a chance to meet him. So I feel guilty for saying this, that it made that first meeting a little easier without that awkwardness of... I had the same thing. You're meeting the family, not the parent. Mm-hmm. So there's a little diffusion there. It was. Did, mm-hmm. do you, did you feel like in the moment that made it easier for you? Yes. Well, it was so overwhelming as it was, it would have been even more overwhelming for sure. Yeah. 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 So I had the, yeah, I had the same experience with you. So now from that, though, uh, now there's that, okay, man, I never got a chance to know him, just never got that opportunity. Yeah. So that, that's, that sank in a little bit later on as I, you know, had time to try to process all the information that was just, you know, coming at you. And really quick, I know I keep interrupting you, but no, what no. your adopted parents, it sounds like your mom was pretty open with you. Were they on this journey too with you? Or how do they feel about like, what do they know about this reunion? Okay. So good question. So up to this point, I have not told them. I was concerned with how it would be received. So I wanted to meet them. I was on this, just, you know, me and my wife together. So after meeting them, then I realized this is going to be a thing. They're a part of my life now. As, as you guys know, you know, adoptees have four parents and, you know, they have really crazy family ties. And I, you know, from meeting them, there's that adoption, you know, reunion honeymoon, but, you know, they had given no indication that this is a temporary thing. And so I couldn't live with the secret. So I eventually had to, you know, go over to mom and dad's house. They still live in the house I grew up in over on the South side of town and just, you know, had supper. It was me, my wife and them. And all right, I got something to tell you, you know, they're like, Oh no, what's wrong? You know, I got cancer or something. So I didn't know how to do it other than just rip the bandaid off. And so I just I sort of let them out and they handled it really well. I was oh. surprised. Uh, I was, and have they met them? So they have met the aunts and uncles. Oh. So back in January, we got together for lunch. And so they have met the aunts and uncles. Oh, that's I, I always think that makes people more secure. You know, once there's faces, not these strangers coming into your life. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> so, so far, it's been good. You know, when there's so many of them now and there's a ton of first cousins and, you know, first cousins once removed and, and all that stuff. And as I try to share who I've met and when I met them and all these things, my mom is struggling to keep it all straight in her head because it is, you know, a little overwhelming. She's like, hey, wait, wait, time out. Stop. 
wait, just let me think about this. And so it's, you know, I've been pondering and pouring over it and writing out charts to keep it all straight. And I'm just, you know, sort of unloading on her. So I mean, this is really new, right? It's very new. Very new. So any update on your birth mother? So yes, a lot going on in that. So Ah. a few months after meeting the paternal side, I had, you know, like we all do, we're creating that family tree. And that's, now that I know her name, I'm starting to do some research and creating this family tree. And I, I found that she had an 11-year-older sister. And from that, I, I found her obituary. And I found the first cousins, but I sort of hit a roadblock and I didn't know what to do with that. So I just took my aunt and I just attached her next to my mom, just as a sort of a placekeeper. So I maybe get back to that someday. So two months after all of this has happened, I sit down one Sunday, you know, football's on the TV and then I'm just waiting. My son and I are going to go somewhere. I thought I'll just do a little more, you know, genealogical work and literally just open up to, to ancestry and all of a sudden ding message. And so this lady goes, you have so-and-so connected to your family tree. That's my grandmother. Who is she to you? Uh-huh. So now I've got the first contact on the maternal side. And so this time I'm, you know, I'm a little more, you know, bolder by this time. And I was just, all right, I'm still going to be kind and gracious, but I'm just going to, you know, put it out there. Hey, I was adopted. I believe that your grandmother is my aunt. And so put it out there and there's that, that awkward delay, you know, and you're waiting for a response. Well, I know after the fact, so she was texting her mom going, you know, wait a second. And so she is my first cousin once removed. So it's my first cousin's daughter. Mm -hmm. And she was, yeah. My aunt on her deathbed let my cousin know that I existed. So 11 years older aunt. Yes, correct. So my first cousin knew about me. I think that's the only person that knew about me other than my aunt, but she had passed away on my maternal side. So this young woman is texting her aunt, who is the one who didn't, her mother who did know about you Yes, from her her mother. Yes, Mm. correct. Correct. So that was the first meeting of somebody on the maternal side. They don't live locally, but when they're in town, we've gotten together for supper. We text. We're really good friends and they've been tremendous. And what so, did they say about your mom? She's so, just not, not interested still or? So, well, my mom, to my knowledge, doesn't know that they know. Mm. Oh, oh. There hasn't yeah. been a sharing of that information. Yeah. And, and but, I feel like I put them in a little awkward situation now. I, I do feel badly for that, but they've been great and supportive. Yeah. Do you so, have any siblings through your mom? She she got married later in life and to my knowledge, did not have any other children from what I can tell. And does well, she still live near you in Texas? So, she had spent most of her time out in Houston and moved back. Wait, ready? Ready? ready. My grandmother is still alive. She's 104. Wow. <laughs> I feel like this isn't ending for you because. I, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's not. Yeah. They're, they're, the story, it's so new. It's so, so new. And, and your biological mom, you know, your birth mom may really just be in shock and not having other children may have had a lot of pain from this, obviously. I think so. And I like to Small try to town opens up so many wounds. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I try to look at it from her point of view. I do. And so. But you didn't say where she lived. We interrupted you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. So so she lives in the next county over, but down the same highway that I grew up on. I mean, we grew up down the same highway from her. 
I mentioned that that cafe after that first church that, yep. that we were on staff at. It was located in Adkins, Texas. I have since found out that Adkins, Texas is named after my great great grandfather. Wow. Weird small world, you know, strange things. Uh, so when you were growing up in that house off the highway, she was nearby. Yeah, she wasn't that far away. We probably, well, she, so after I was born, she moved to California to live with her sister, my aunt. Mm. And then she was there three years and then moved to Houston and she spent her adult life in Houston. But my grandmother was just down the road. It's mm. too bad that aunt died because she'd know a lot about what your mom went through after that. And she would. Yeah. She would. Well, I echo Louise and I don't think the story is over. So I think you will be coming back to tell us more. Well, so with that, <laughs> I have decided this week after some, some advice from some trusted friends, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And I am writing a letter to my grandmother. She's 104. Uh, and, and I want to be kind and gracious to my mom, but I just, she's 104. And, and she gave up the keys to her car, quit driving. That's a small town when she was 102. She's still got all her faculties. It's like, yeah. you know, you have very limited time. Yeah. So I pinned a letter yesterday. Wow. I'm, I think I'm going to put it in the mail this coming week. I say yes. Yeah. Sooner, <laughs> sooner I, than I did, later. I checked with my cousins to let them know this was going to happen. And again, my cousins were like, would you like me to talk? You know, I was like, whatever you feel comfortable doing, I'm okay with. So we will see how that goes, but I'm going to, I'm going to put that letter in the mail and see if it gets to her. Please let us know. And also, John, when you were growing up, did you feel, I wanted to ask you this because we went through your childhood very quickly. Did you feel... Any sense of like, besides just kind of one, I did the same thing, like in high school, kind of wondering who's this, who's that? I wasn't an only child, but did you ever feel sort of like fish out of water or how did you feel growing up in that way? I wanted to circle back and ask you that. So as a little kid, no, but you know, I don't know if that's the difference between being a little boy and a little girl, you know, little boys, we're just, you know, climb a tree, fall out. (laughs) You know, I, I don't know. I didn't as a little kid. It really wasn't until high school and college that Mm -hmm. I started to have those understandings of fish out of water, don't quite connect type situation. So not as a little kid, it it really just wasn't on the radar screen as a pre-adolescent. Yeah, I always, I I think that's pretty common. I think it's common too. I always wonder, just we interview different people and often for minutes when they have children Mm -hmm. or they get into that and that's just interesting. So. Wow, man, so many different ways to go on this. So, well, we'll go back a little bit. So in college, I'll tell this story. I was my best friend. I had a car that semester and was driving him to the eyeglasses place and he was getting a new pair or something or the other. You know, what do you do when, you know, the eyeglasses store? I didn't wear glasses at the time. You you, you put on frames and you try them on just because you're, you know, killing time. And I remember he was, he was standing next to me and I put on this pair and I looked in the mirror and it was like, oh, his name is Kelrick. And he's like, oh. Man, you look just like your dad, my adopted dad. And I'm like, wow, that's sort of weird considering I'm adopted. And I was never, you know, a secret about adoption, but that's yeah. not the thing you lead in. You know, hey, I'm adopted. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I said, he goes, no, you're not. That's like, yes, I am. So we finished, you know, we went back to the dorms, picked up the phone, called my mom and said, here, we talked to Kelrick. They knew each other. And, and I went to school in Florida and he talks to her. Hangs up, hands the phone back to me, I should say. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Bye. She, no, I don't believe her because I know her and she'd go along with the joke. You're not <laughs> a 
So I did have some resemblance to my adopted father, but I tell you that story that night that I met everybody. Yeah. I was just going to ask about, yeah. Right? Dude, you know, other than <laughs> my three sons, you know, you know, I walked in this room. No, I look like people. Right. Uh, I have this one uncle, I mean, carbon copy. A few weeks later, I had one of my first cousins organize a first cousin meetup. They've been, like I said, they've been great. And so this one uncle, I, I meet his. So with there being seven of them, there's sort of a long age gap between the aunts and uncles. And so this one uncle, he's only six years older than me. So his kids are, you know, they're younger, they're about 30. And, you know, there's all these people, and I don't know about y'all, but in those large groups, if I'm not the one in charge of an event or a meeting, if I'm in charge, I can work a room, I can, you know, be there. But when I'm just attending, dude, put me back to the wall and let me just observe because I'm just, you know, out of place. And so in these large meetups, in fact, my paternal family, they've been like, you sure you can handle this? We're a little overwhelming. And we know that. I'm like, no, we're good. But anyway, I I sort of step back and I'm just looking and watching and I'm listening. And so my cousins, I hear them, it's brother and sister. And they're like, oh, wow, that's just so weird. Because (laughs) I look just like their dad. And that was just, I mean, And did you look, do you look like your dad? A little bit. I think he has a little more of one side of the family and I got the the Lefebvre side of the family. So back to the French thing, they're all French with a bunch of German in them as well. So my oldest son looks like my dad. Ah, And then what about French? Have you seen pictures of your mom? So that night I saw my first picture. There was a sophomore yearbook picture that I got to see. Now hold that thought. So that evening, one of my uncles comes up, he goes, look, because at that point I had asked them to keep it under wraps because I hadn't told my parents. And I I said, you know, don't social media. And this uncle pulls me aside and he's like, John, hey, look, I want you to know, I I haven't given your name out or anything. I've respected that. But your dad's high school buddies, we all hang out together still. And I let them know we found you and they all want to meet you. (laughs) Aww. Yeah, a little weird. I was like, okay, a bunch of guys that went to high school with my dad, who's passed away many years ago, wanted. I have a close high school group. I could see us. We'd be like, we want to meet the kid, right? I have a group text with a bunch (laughs) of. We either went to middle school or middle school and high school together. So yeah, but at the moment, I was like, whoa. Um, So anyway, that meeting was organized on my my dad's birthday. So that was a couple of months later in November, and up at the one of the hill country rivers up here, and. We met up there. And so they, a lot of them brought high school pictures to share with me. So from there that I got to see more pictures of my mom and my mom, I saw my dad that night, but I saw pictures of my mom on that evening. So I've seen more pictures of her since then. And did you see any of them together? I have a picture of my biological parents together at a high school dance. I I did too. Yeah. That's weird to look at, you know? It is. Yeah. I've got one of them on her high school graduation night. And yeah, so got quite a few. So one of those pictures, it was her high school graduation night. And there's these three couples in it and the names are written on the back. It's no Polaroid. And since, you know, it, once it went public, the high school that they all graduated with all of their high school started requesting to be my friend on Facebook, you know, so all these people I've never met. And once you, you look in their about and they all put the name of the high school, it's like, Oh, they're one of them. Okay. Got it. And one day, this was in January, this past January, there's this one guy that had befriended me on Facebook that was in this photo. 
And I do not know why, but I decided to reach out to him. So I sent a message and said, hey, I'm your, you know who I am in, in my story. I was wondering, could you tell me anything about my parents? And, you know, like I said, there were, you know, three couples in it. And I assumed the guys were the buddies and the girls were the buddies, assumption I made. So he responds back, yeah, hey, can we get together for breakfast? Sure. So we meet at a restaurant with his wife and he brings pictures as well. We'll come to find out he was best friends with my mom, not my mm, dad. That's what From I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Middle school. From middle school. So he brings all these old photos. And so back to my mom and what was going on at that time into her story. I found out that she, I don't know, I can't say this 100%, but she, I don't know if she left on her own, was kicked out of the home, but she lived alone in an apartment by herself while she was pregnant with me. That's sad. The family started to come between them from what I can tell. And so she reached out to, you know, she needed some support. So she reached out to this guy. His name is John. And he was in the military at the time. So he hadn't been stationed. You know, this is Vietnam era. He hadn't been stationed overseas. He was not too far away, apparently. And he was in regular communication with her on the phone. And so he's sitting across from me at this restaurant and he tells me, he goes, I offered to drive back and to drive your parents to Mexico to get married. I'm like, okay. And he goes, but then his mom said, no, you'll go AWOL and that won't be, you know, you won't, you'll get in trouble. And so he backs away from that. Then sitting, I mean, you know, right across from me, he goes, then I, I told her, how about I'm going to marry you and I'm going to give the baby a daddy. And he says it that way. And I don't think he had sort of removed himself from the fact that the baby he was going to give a daddy was me. Yeah. He's telling a story and it's like, if you're like, hello. Yeah. So I'm looking at this guy going, you were almost my stepfather. She's a good friend. He's a good friend. That really sounds like a tragic love story, you know, that. Yes. Romeo and Juliet and Warren. And, you know, maybe that really. Affected her. She has a lot of pain still from that, but mm-hmm. yeah. Sarah and I are on the same page. I think don't ignore that this is going to go further because also you're in this town. I'm thinking all these people posting and texting you, she's hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my, my group's tight. I can imagine she's got to be hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story isn't over. I don't think. Yeah. I think she just needs some time to process. It really hasn't been that long. You know, it's less than a year that you reached out and exactly. and it wasn't you that reached out. It was the group of people like that, maybe Pat would be freaky. <laughs> wasn't what she was expecting. And so maybe that you would, you know, maybe you writing to her would be a different scenario than getting a text from a group. Yes. Yeah. So there's so, a lot of stuff at play. I'm sure there yeah. is. I did at Christmas time. So you guys have probably seen it and, you know, there's lots of sites out there and information about, you know, how do you write that letter? What do you do? And so I did my research, looked through that. And so some of them, you know, if I'm still a secret and I'm guessing I am. So she did get married in 1989 for the first time. She's still married to him. And, you know, I wonder if she ever told him. And so there's, you know, information out there about how do you write that in case somebody else, you know, gets the letter or the card or something and, and you keep it sort of clandestine, but yeah. yet you're getting the information. So I did that on a Christmas card at Christmas time. So the idea was, Hey, you went to high school at such and such. And I believe, you know, my parents, and I was just looking for information, any stories you could tell me about them. Here's my contact information. If you would be willing to do that. So I didn't hear anything back on that. 
I think you should just write your feelings to her Mm -hmm. and maybe a a letter that she has to sign for type of thing, or I don't know how you do that. I don't know. Maybe give it a minute and see. (laughs) (laughs) Group group project right now. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot. Wow. Well, will you please keep us posted? Because I know that this isn't isn't done yet. And send us some pictures of your of your I know. family. I really want to see them. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to see that. So and are, uh, where are your boys? Are they in town? No. So one is getting rather serious with a young lady and uh-huh. they are visiting her grandparents and the other two are at work. Okay. Yeah. Well, we love your energy. You've just been You have a lot of great storytelling abilities and it's been fun to piece this together with you and to know you and kind of watch this through this. Yeah. really appreciate you sharing with us, John. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share it. So just wrap things up. So my brother and sister and I are getting together tomorrow for the May birthdays. So sort of that first sort of celebrating just us and not the greater family. Oh, so yay. Every day is like a, a new experience, something new that you've never done before. And, you know, it's weird at my age that you're doing all these first time things. Yes. Uh, but it's been great and it's been good. And the, you know, you're afraid of that secondary rejection. They've given, you know, no indication that when the honeymoon's over, it's, you know, that's it. But you still have that voice in the back of your yeah. head. So to all of the other adoptees that are out there that, you know, you're wondering, should I pursue? Should I do this? You know, that is up to you. Just be prepared when everybody asks, you know, what should I expect? Wow. I mean, the spectrum is is this wide and, and you should expect something maybe on both ends like me. And just if anybody asks me what I do it over again in a heartbeat. Oh, I like Aww. that. Thank it, you, John. It is a journey. Thank you, John. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. And keep us up to date. I will yes. do that. Okay. Bye. 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 Wow. That was neat to meet John finally. I know. How sweet. I love the the sweetness of the reunion story and his excitement and how I, that they're all in the same, like they can crazy. just go have breakfast, you know? It's and, crazy how intertwined they are. I mean, I say that, of course, that's some of these towns in America, right? And someone's mm-hmm. adopted right down the street. What kind of blows my mind from the very beginning is just that the attorney you're dealing with the lemon law car and hey i got a kid by the way (laughs) i know you need a car but i got a kid (laughs) and i think about the sliding doors thing you and i talk about if you're adopted here or there his whole life was shaped by that moment Uh uh-huh and who he became and then i do love his reunion though it's Uh, nice I, i do think you know perhaps his mother will come around it's a lot of information. Think of how she might be feeling. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, to get a text from yes. her ex's family. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And he can't control. He's sitting there with this big family and all of a sudden all these. You remember the when you have your reunion, everything's coming at you at once. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take in. It is. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, glad we I'm know just him. happy he's happy. I'm happy he's happy. <laughs> Me too. And I like following him. So and he's going to see his siblings tomorrow. So that's I cute. I love it. So. I love it. Well, Sarah. Another good episode. Another great episode. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching 
adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>